Good to see you guys. Everybody doing well? Always weird when a preacher asks that question. It's like, how, how are we supposed to really answer? How am I supposed to hear from all of you? I don't know. If, uh, if you missed the beginning of the service, you missed out on the uh, announcement that we are doing a bonfire this weekend. It's going to be amazing. I resisted the urge to say lit there. Um, it's going to be incredible. I believe Trip is actually outside chopping down a tree right now for it. One of the big ones next to the bridge. So be careful as you walk out. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be legit just out in the middle of a field somewhere. I don't even know if there's a house. It's at her house. So uh, it's going to be incredible just at a field with a giant fire. Going to be fun. And um, I do, I want to do something a little bit random tonight. I don't, I don't know that I've ever done this, but just knowing kind of who I'm talking to, and I have a lot of conversations with you guys, uh, a lot of my conversations afterwards are, Pastor, will you pray for me because I'm in need of a job? <laughs> Amen, anybody? And uh, so I don't usually do this, but we have some people that help us out every week, and there are, uh, there are a 12 Stones facilities management team. And so they work here at 12 Stone. They uh, set up the chairs. They do so much for us. And anyways, they, they basically get everything ready across all of our campuses uh, throughout the week. Anyways, they're looking to hire some people, and they do so much for us that I thought I would just mention it to you guys. They're great. They have flexible hours, uh, great pay, and so usually it works well for college students. So if you're looking for a job, uh, Kyle, where are you at? Are you somewhere around here? I will find, just come talk to me if you're interested in that. Uh, come talk to me. I'd love to point you to the right person. And... Uh, Maybe that'll be of help to you. All right, you ready to go? We, um, we started a discussion last week about what we are calling uh, the spiritual pathways. And it's often referred to as spiritual pathways, or sometimes you may have heard, heard of it as the sacred pathways. But we're really gathering around this truth that each and every one of us is created uniquely by God. We know that to be true. You're created uniquely with a unique personality, a unique gifting, uh, unique ever. Like you are created on purpose. Nothing is a mistake about you uniquely by God. And I think one step further that sometimes we ignore is uh, also you are created to connect with God in a unique way. I don't know if you knew that, but you were created on purpose by God to connect with him in a unique way. And these ways that we're kind of talking about, we're calling them pathways. There's nine of them, and so we're kind of hitting three each week, but these are things that have been studied for really centuries, and they are evident in Scripture of the different pathways of how you connect with God, but each of us has a unique set of pathways by how we connect with God. You're going to have all nine of them in some, some way, shape, or form, but the idea is that you find kind of your top three, how God has uniquely made you, because once you discover that, well, then I can lean into those a little bit more and connect with God the way that he has designed me to connect with him. So it's really imperative that, that you know this. Um, and one of the reasons is because it's going to be extremely liberating for many of you because you've grown up in church or you've heard, just heard people tell you that if you want to connect with God, you better lock yourself in a dark room in your house somewhere, get out a giant Bible and commentaries and Greek studies and, and spend 30 minutes praying and all these kinds of things. And maybe those are helpful. I believe that they are. But that may not be the exact way that God has connected you to or God has created you to connect 
with him. And so uh, for some of you, it's liberating to find out, wait a second, God's created me to connect with him in nature. Well, maybe I need to figure out what that looks like. And so we talked about three of these uh, last week, and I believe it's an important conversation for us to have also because it allows you to understand the people around you and to understand that God didn't create the person to your right, the person to your left to connect with him the way that he created you. And God takes no pleasure in you just becoming a you know, mechanic robot who does everything that the person around you does to connect with him. No, there, he's created you in a unique way to connect with him. And so we've been studying these. Last week we talked about uh, the intellectual pathway. Anybody, anybody discover you, are, you have the intellectual pathway? All right, nobody's smart in here. Great. Um, these people connect with God through knowledge and concepts. They love studying. Um, that's usually them. We talked about the traditionalist pathway. Uh, these people connect with God through rituals and symbols. They love kind of the high church things, the, um, the traditions of church and what we've been practicing for centuries, the hymn books, right? These just traditions. We talked about that. That's just kind of their avenue. Uh, we talked about the contemplative pathway. These people connect with God through heartfelt adoration and devotion. And so there's all these details. I'd encourage you if you missed last week, maybe you want to jump on the podcast and check it out. But tonight we're going to talk about three more. And so before we get into it, I want to remind you though that what we are not talking about, this is important, what we are not saying in all of this is that there are multiple ways to get to God. We're not saying that there are multiple paths to God. We believe that there is one path to God, and that is through Jesus, God's Son. And the path that he made by dying on the cross for our sins, making a way for you to have a relationship with God. We believe that he is the truth. He is the life. That is the only way to God is through Jesus. So there is one path. What we are saying is that once you have come into relationship with God, there are multiple paths to connect with him. So that's important you realize what we're saying in that because I don't want you to believe that we're saying, you know, Discover your own truth and just, you know, whatever path you want to take. That's not what we're saying. There are multiple paths to connect with God. And then also I just want to uh, reiterate this as well, that God has given us tools to connect with him. I believe three of those tools are the Bible, prayer, and community. Those are three essential tools that we use and that he has given us to connect with him. And so when we talk about the pathways, we're not saying that the pathway is an excuse for not using those tools. We're saying the pathway actually gives you a way to engage those tools. So once you discover your, the unique pathway that God's created you to have, then all of a sudden the Bible comes alive when you experience it in that pathway. So I just want to make sure that, that we're clear on those two things. So we're going to get into three more tonight, and my prayer is that you'll discover that maybe one of these is uh, how God's con- or made you, and then uh, you'll begin to lean into it a little bit more. Are you ready? Come on, if you're ready, say, let's go, pastor. <laughs> said that was some umph. I like it. So the first pathway I want to talk about tonight is uh, we mentioned it a little bit last week, but I want to talk in more detail about the naturalist pathway. So you're going to want to take notes tonight. Obviously, it's a free country. You don't have to, um, but there's a special place in heaven for you if you do. Take notes. (laughs) It's in Leviticus. Read it. No one reads Leviticus, so you just throw everything in there. Uh, The naturalist pathway. The people with the naturalist pathway, they usually connect with God best outdoors. Anybody just automatically be like, I think that's me. I connect with God best outdoors. Awesome. These, uh, these people worship God in the midst 
of his creation, right? These people usually love themselves some hiking and some camping. Anybody love hiking and camping? Good for you guys, man. If you know me, you know that uh, I am not one of these said people. Uh, For those of you that know me, I talked very frequently about part of me coming into my identity as a man was discovering that uh, being, you know, hiking and camping does not make me more of a man. I'm okay with just saying I hate hiking, right? I love love the, the peace and tranquility of nature and all those things, but I just got to be honest with you, I don't find God in nature when my legs are on fire because I've been hiking up a mountain for like three miles to no end destination, by the way, where I'm just going to get to the top and turn around and walk back down. There's no point to it. I don't find God in nature why that's happening. I also don't find God in nature while I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag wondering if there are spiders inside my sleeping bag. Uh, To me, that sounds like a way to connect with Satan, not God. So uh, (laughs) I do not find God in nature quite like that. I enjoy I enjoy being outside as long as it doesn't require like work, (laughs) I guess you could say. But I just I really I really feel like I connect with God better uh, with air conditioning and Call of Duty. So I'm going to do that (laughs) while you naturalists connect outdoors. No, these people, these people, I mean, they're, sometimes you would refer to them as the Christian hippies, right? They love being outside. Don't be offended. It's okay. They love gym bays and drum circles and uh, walking around in their Vibrams and Nalgene bottles with a hundred stickers on them connected to their book bag and wearing their Patagonia. If you got a little money, if not, wear the off-brand. <laughs> they love uh, wearing their hemp underwear um, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if that's a thing. Is that a thing? If you got hemp underwear, please come talk to me afterwards because I think that's awesome, actually. I'm kind of kidding. That, that's not, that doesn't describe the people with naturalist pathway completely. I told you a story last week about my sister. She's none of those things. Uh, but one time she just called me up and told me about how she was walking outside around a pond and a butterfly landed on her knee. And she began to cry because she felt like God was reminding him of his faithfulness, all these kinds of things, right? So it's, I'm just joking about the hippie stuff, kind of. Um, but the naturalist pathway, man, they love connecting with God outdoors. I love the scripture in Psalm uh, chapter 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. That's such a beautiful scripture that all of creation is telling of the glory of God. So, For those of you, you probably just already know right off the bat, I have a little bit of this pathway in me. Let me give you a few tips. If you weren't here last week, here's what I'm going to kind of do. I'm going to give you some tips to lean into how you can lean into the pathway. And then I'm going to give you a few cautions as well. A few tips for you. First, I want to assume that you're aware of the obvious. Uh, If you have this pathway, get outside. That's obvious, right? Get outside, connect with God outdoors. But number one, I would say this. I'd encourage you to learn the art of prayer walking. Learn the art of prayer walking. I don't know if you've ever been on a prayer walk before or if, if you know what that is, but essentially it's, it's, you know, you can walk. I've been on prayer walks, like I've been to New York City with a team of people and said, hey, let's just take an hour to walk around the city 
and let's just pray as we walk. Pray for what we see. Pray for the people that we uh, see. Just Let's just prayer walk. That's kind of what a prayer walk is. And so um, I don't know if you've ever done that, but maybe you want to try just getting outside of your bedroom and connecting with God as you walk, as you walk through nature. I don't know if you know this either, but 12th Psalm, we actually have a prayer path here on campus. At this campus, it's in uh, the children's parking lot, like in the upper left-hand corner. You can go back there and just walk through the woods. Um, I wouldn't go at night. It's a little scary, but whatever you want to do. Um, But so get outside. Find a path. Walk and pray. Learn the art of prayer walking. It doesn't even have to be on a trail. You can walk through your school and just say, God, I'm going to take the next 15 minutes and prayer walk. And just whatever you bring to my attention, as I look at the trees, as I look at the leaves, as I see birds or whatever it is, God, just bring things to my attention and let me pray as I walk in your creation. I just encourage you to give it a shot. If you've never done it before and you think you have a little bit of this pathway in you, then give it a shot. The second thing I would encourage you to do is find other naturalists and do nature trips together. This sounds so foreign to me, but maybe for you, this is an awesome idea. Find a couple of people who also have the naturalist pathway and do nature trips together. Camp, backpack, whatever you outdoorsy people enjoy doing. Go and do it together and learn to connect with God in nature together. And let me encourage you, don't just you know, walk, don't just hike and camp. But find time as you walk and hike, camp, as you do these things, to talk about God. I'll never forget, b- before I was secure in my identity, someone asked me to go on a pretty intense uh, hiking trip. And so I went with them. It was like an overnight, you know, 30-mile hike with these backpacks on and all this kind of stuff, ridiculous. And so I said, yes, I would go to it. And actually ended up being an epic experience that I love. I talk about it all the time. But it was uh, it was incredibly hard but one of the things that we did the guy that was kind of you know invited me and led a couple of us on this trip he said hey uh for the next however long I want us just as we hike let's just talk about our story I want each person to share their story so there were four of us on the trip and I kid you not for the next like two hours or two and a half hours it went by with someone just sharing their story it wasn't like we stopped and and you know looked eye to eye and listened to each other it was just as we walked through nature and experience God's creation together, we just listen to someone share their story, share how they came to know God, share what God, share what God was doing in their life right then. It was a really cool experience that I, I've never had uh, up to that date, never had since then, actually. So I'd encourage you, if you have a little bit of that naturalist pathway, man, do a trip with someone or just do a day hike, but take a portion of that and find time to talk about God. I think you'll, uh, you'll come to learn that God will speak to you in a cool way as you're out in nature. Now, let me give you a couple of cautions if you think you have this pathway. The first caution I would give you is um, always back with the Bible. Back with the Bible. I think one of the dangers is that we begin to think that anything received on a walk with God through uh, nature is authoritative. Like it's, it must be from God. Well, that's not necessarily true. Just because you get an idea or just because you see something doesn't mean that that's from God. So you need to back it with the Bible. The Bible is our source of truth. And so you need to go back to Scripture and say, does this agree with what Scripture tells me? The enemy can provide counterfeit experiences that can lead us astray. So it's uh, imperative that you actually know Scripture. You don't have have to have it memorized, but just seek to know Scriptures and know the truth 
So that way when you, you feel like God says something to you or when you, you, you sense that he's kind of teaching you something through nature, you can say, does this affirm what scripture already tells me? Second caution I would give you is don't idolize nature. Nature is a beautiful thing and you can find God in nature, but nature is not God. There's, there's a difference in that. The Bible teaches us that the earth is the Lord's What it doesn't say is that the earth is the Lord. So there is a difference. And so I just want to encourage you, nature is beautiful, creation is beautiful, but it is not God. It speaks and it shows us who God is because it is his creation, but it in and of itself is not God. And the reason I say that is because there are beliefs that will lead you astray into, into worshiping nature itself. And nature is not the object of our worship. It points us to the object of our worship, which is God. And then the third caution I would give you is a little bit, um, <laughs> it's coming from me just being a dad, if you'll give me uh, a little bit of just authority maybe to talk to you like a dad, is that okay? Um, and you're not gonna like it as much, but I'll go ahead and give you. The third caution is this, don't confuse a pathway with a calling. Don't confuse a pathway with a calling. Another way that you may wanna think of it is don't confuse a hobby with a career. I, I think this, as I've worked with people your age for many years now, one of the uh, consistent conversations that I have is just because something is fun for you or just because it's a hobby for you or it's a pathway for you uh, doesn't mean you need to pour career energy into it. Does that make sense? So just because you love hiking and camping doesn't mean that you just you know, quit work and quit school and just, I'm just going to go live in the mountains forever. I don't think that's a wise decision. Um, <laughs> you know, and I would say this is a, a principle, this idea of just because it's a hobby, don't make it a career. Um, this is a principle. It's not 100% true, but what I've seen is most of the time it is true. I've just seen tons of people that find something that's fun and it's a hobby for them. And all of a sudden it's like, now I want to give my life to this. And I don't think that's wise. I think you can have hobbies and things that are fun for you, but they're not deserving of, like, career energy. So I know that's a little bit fatherly of me to say, but I hope you'll receive it. So that's the naturalist pathway. Maybe you're a naturalist. If so, lean into it. Go for it. Second pathway I want to talk to you tonight is this. I want to talk to you about the sensate pathway. Turn to your neighbor and say, what is that? The sensate pathway. These people connect with God through their senses. A little bit odd, I know, but let me talk about it a little bit. These people worship through sensual experiences. Sensual, not sexual. Just need to make that clear. These people worship through sensual experiences. And so you think about your five senses. What you see, what you smell... Oh, gosh, uh, what you taste, what you hear, and what you touch. I got all five of them. They connect with God through their senses. These people usually, uh, they usually have an artistic bent, like a creative bent in them. They connect with God through the, the beauty of poetry and literature, uh, painting and sculptures and even architect, these things that just appeal to the senses. In fact, I was talking to someone earlier uh, tonight that this is him, man, all the way. He's a high sensate pathway. Uh, and these people, what's cool about them is they don't just experience the arts, 
but usually they create it. So it's not just that they enjoy artistic things, but they create art. To me, this is such a unique pathway because uh, I think everyone appreciates art. But for these people, art is like a, a spiritual experience for them. When they, when they have things like, like poetry and literature and paintings and sculptures and architect, for them, I mean, this is much more than just, oh, that's cool. This is like a, a really cool experience for them. But the reason why I love this so much is because God in himself is an artist. And he makes us in his image. So God is a creator. He is an artist and he has made us in his image. And he's not a creator like, um, like an engineer trying to meet a deadline. But he's a creator in this like beautiful masterpiece with uh, time and grace and beauty and enjoyment that he just puts together. It's an incredible thing. I think uh, one of the differences, and this probably isn't a great parallel, but for me, I think about um, the difference between my wife and I and how we cook. Anybody enjoy cooking? I got to be honest, I'm not very good, and, um, but I'm trying, I'm trying to get better at it because it's, you know, how you survive. You got to eat. So I'm trying to get better at it, and my wife doesn't really love it a whole lot, but one of the differences that we figured out is she is a very, and it fits her personality perfect, she's a very much like, give me a recipe, and I'm going to measure out everything to the exact measurement. If it says, you know, two milliliters of vinegar or whatever, I'm going to do exactly, not two and a half, not 2.1, two to the, for me, I'm like, babe, you got to get in here and just enjoy it. Let's just put a dab here. Let's not use measuring cups. Let's not use any of that. No, let's just pour a little bit of that. And I think some barbecue sauce in this would sound good. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just, this is a masterpiece that we're just putting together. It's a creative expression of, of how God's made me, right? It's a little extreme, but these, the art, there's an art to it. I think God is a creator. You can read the, the Genesis account and how he created everything. He's a creator. It's interesting to me also that um, God has instructed us to experience things like we talked last week about communion. When we come and we take uh, the bread reminds us of the body that was broken for us, and then we drink the grape juice or the wine, and it reminds us of the blood that was shed for us. Isn't it interesting that this is something that God has commanded us to do, and it involves our senses, right? When we eat, when we touch the bread, it reminds us of the, his body that was broken. When we drink, it reminds us of the blood. It involves our senses. I was thinking also about baptism. Think about baptism. Baptism is a symbol of what God has done in our heart. And when we put someone down into the water, we immerse them in water, what we're doing is you're saying you are now a new creation that gone is the old way of life. Gone is the old you. And up out of the water, when you come up, you have been cleansed. You are anew. God's made you fresh, a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And he has asked us to involve water, to involve the touch of water to remind us of that. Isn't that cool that God uses our senses to connect with us? And so a couple of tips. If you think you got a little bit of this sensate pathway in you, let me give you a couple of tips. One is this. I want to encourage you to engage your senses when you have alone time with God. Like I said, this is liberating for some of you because you just always thought you had to, 
you know, read a large book and all this. No, engage your senses when you have time alone with God. And here's what I mean. Maybe for you, every time that you go into your room to pray or read, maybe just light a candle and light the same candle. And every time that you smell that scent, it reminds you of the last time you were there with God. Reminds you of what he talked to you the last time about. Reminds you of your prayer time last time. And just every time, that scent reminds you of that. Maybe for you, maybe you want to engage the uh, sense of touch. Um, I was thinking about different ways to do this, but one of the ways I was thinking is maybe you could hold a nail. Maybe you want to hold a nail in your hand as you're praying. And as you hold that nail, it could remind you of what Christ did on the cross for you, of how he paid for your sin debt. And how you no longer are responsible for that because of what he did. So as you hold that nail, you're reminded of the nails that he took in his hands as he was nailed to the cross. Just a suggestion, whatever. Maybe for you, you want to hold a sword. Maybe you want to hold a sword when you pray. Like when you pray, you hold this sword and you're reminded that God has made you a warrior. And that when you go to prayer, you're reminded that you are a warrior in a spiritual realm, bringing the kingdom of God to the kingdom of earth, and you are accomplishing things for his purpose through your prayer life. That's a, I'm a warrior, right? Maybe that's a little masculine for, for some of you ladies. Maybe you want to hold a rose. <laughs> I just went from one extreme to the other. Maybe you want to hold a rose. And as you hold a rose, you pray and you thank God because it reminds you of the beautiful creation that he has made you to be. That you are not scarred, you are not ugly, you are not a second thought to him, but you are beautifully, wonderfully created by him. So I just encourage you, if, if some of this is in you, try it out. And if you're like, for sure this is in me, then learn to practice these things. And then the third way I would encourage you to try is uh, art. I don't, I, I, art is such a f, uh, funny thing. Some people, it's just like complete opposite of them. They could care less about art. For some people, it's right up their alley. Um, maybe you want to hang pictures in your room or, or wherever you go to pray. Or maybe just hang something in your car if that's where you pray, is that, if that's where you connect with God. Hang up art that connects you with God. Um, in my little office kind of study place in my house, I have a picture hanging uh, right now, and it's a, uh, this oil painting that I bought when I was in Kenya a year ago. And it's an absolutely not a pretty piece of art, to be honest with you. If I just were to bring it up here, you'd be like, what is, like, what second grader painted that, right? It's not beautiful. But every time I look at it, I'm reminded of what God did in me on that trip because he transformed me in some powerful ways. I'm reminded of the stories that I encountered when I was on that trip. And I'm also reminded that the world and God's activity is bigger than what I experienced here in Lawrenceville, Georgia, which I just think is such a crucial thing to be reminded of, that he's bigger than just your world here in Gwinnett County. He's bigger than Georgia. Hello, he's bigger than the United States of America. God is way bigger than that. I want to show you uh, a couple years ago I came across this piece of art and read a little bit about it. And so I thought I'd show it to you tonight. Go ahead and do you have it? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen this, uh, this painting before. It's by a guy named Vincent Van Gogh. Um, 
he's a Dutch, or he was a, a Dutch artist, and so I have no clue how to say his last name, but it's something like that. And uh, he painted this, and it's called Church at Oyers. I don't know, it's French, so I don't know how to speak French, but it's um, this painting that he, he did of a church uh, that was across the street from where he was living in France. And this is uh, one of his last paintings before he committed suicide. And um, as I was doing some research on this, I learned about him and I learned about his life. And in some of his last letters that he wrote to his brother, there was some obvious um, dissatisfaction with the church in his life. And he was dealing with some pretty uh, just deep things and his own kind of battles with depression and, and different he was actually, you know, going to a, some therapy and all this kinds of stuff. And really his life uh, at that time, what he thought was just completely no hope left. And in his letters to his brother, he wrote that the church, I want to read to you exactly what he said. He refers to the church as being a place of dark emptiness. And as you study this painting, you'll see a couple of things. But one of the things that you'll see is that there are two paths that go to the sides of the church. And in this time period, this era, era it, was very, um, it was very not like artists to paint churches without front doors. They always painted churches with front doors for whatever reason. And so many people believe that the artist painted it this way without a front door. And he was making a statement by this. He was making a statement that the church was of no help to him and that the church was a place that really wasn't welcoming to him at all. And as I read this, I thought, man, like, that breaks my heart. I hate that this guy in his moment of distress, in his moment of greatest need in his life, when he needed Christians the most, when he needed the church the most, that it was of no help to him. And I just thought to myself, if I ever get to be a part of the church, which I am, and if I ever get to be a part of building the church, which I do have a part in that, I want to always make sure that the church has a front door that's visible to everybody. But no matter what you're walking through, no matter what the demons are in your life, no matter what the darkness is in your life, that's a church, the church is a place that you are welcome. And that's why the statement you see all the time around here is, welcome home. Welcome home. We want you to feel like this is a home for you. Man, it, it would kill me to know if someone thought the church was a place that they couldn't walk into. And so that's just one instance of how maybe art allows you to connect with God in a, uh, in a meaningful way. A couple of words of caution for you if uh, you think you have this pathway, and I'll move through these kind of quick. First caution, just like we said earlier, stay biblically grounded. Art may have deep meaning to you, and you might get caught up in, in it and the meaning of it, but you need to understand Scripture to keep you connected to the truth. Because just because something is art doesn't mean that it's truth. And I've just seen a danger in this um, kind of getting wrapped up in the whimsical feeling of how art makes you feel. But I just encourage you to make sure that you're combining that with truth. And the second thing just encourage you with this, that keep beauty as a means to an end, not the end. Beauty and art and in everything is great, but you don't want to fall into the trap of idolizing beauty. Set God as the focus of your worship. 
And beauty is how you experience him. But beauty is not the focus of your worship. And then lastly, the last pathway I want to talk about is, uh, is called the enthusiast pathway. Enthusiast pathway. And before I forget, let me just remind you, we, we have a piece of paper out in the lobby at the hub on those tables that go through all nine of them and just give you a brief kind of two-sentence description of them. So if you want to, just something to remind you, you can grab that piece of paper. And then also, I've printed out a, I think it's like a three-page assessment. If you want to know which pathways are your strongest, then you could take an assessment. There's a bunch at the table. You can take one home with you. Uh, you can just kind of tally up your scores just so you can know which are your strongest pathways. You can also find it a lot online if that's easier for you. But the enthusiast pathway. These people connect with God through mystery and celebration. These people worship with outward displays of passion and enthusiasm. I think this one gets a, a tad bit confusing, so let me try and describe it a little bit more. These people worship God with gusto. Are you familiar with that word, gusto? I mean, it's like something that comes from inner, like, and it, is, it doesn't just stay inner, it's outer. Like, it is my whole being, I'm into this, right? It's just everything in me. These people, when they pray, whew, they pray with passion, and they pray with, I mean, it is like, a lot of times, like, I want that person praying for me, right? They go after it with prayer. doesn't always mean, just so you know, um, passionate prayer does not always mean powerful prayer. And I think that's important. Someone can pray really softly, but it can be fervent. The, the scripture says that the prayers of a righteous man are effective. And so just because someone is loud and boisterous and, and, and passionate doesn't mean that it's powerful. But you'll see someone with the enthusiast pathway, man, they're just passion and intensity. These people consistently look for God to move in the supernatural. So they consistently look for God to move in, in miracles and wonders and signs. That's usually how they look for God. These people, um, they sense that God speaks to them. Oftentimes they sense that God speaks to them in visions, which is a biblical thing that's real, that God speaks to them in visions. And so uh, just very passionate and intense, and, and they look for God in miracles and supernatural realm and in visions. These people usually... Uh, you know, just to be honest, these people usually enjoy more charismatic type church services. That's just their vibe. They get into that, right? And that's just who they are, and that's great. And so I want to um, talk about two things. I think when we talk about the enthusiast pathway, there's kind of these subcategories of pathways that fall under enthusiasts. And I think it just, for me, it makes a little bit more sense of who the enthusiasts are and so let me just take a minute and talk about those. The first one I want to talk about is an emotional pathway. Usually those who fall under enthusiasts have a little bit more of emotional connection with God. And that's perfectly okay. Some people connect with God in a more emotional way than others. And that's fine. It's how God has wired them. And God actually enjoys how he has wired them. And so that's all right. I was talking with um, a girl one time here at C12, and she came and she said, I'm a little bit concerned because every time I come to church with my friends, she said, all of them in the middle of worship, they start crying. <laughs> she said, just everyone around me is like crying in worship. And she said, I don't cry. 
And she said, and then we get in small group, and everybody's talking about their things and how God's moving, how God's teaching them. And she said, everybody just starts getting emotional and all, like, start And she said, and I just don't do that. She said, Austin, is there something wrong with me? I said, no, 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 no. Perhaps that's just the pathway that God has given them. It's okay. It's how God has wired them. He hasn't wired you that way, and that's all right. God didn't make a mistake. He knows what he's doing. And by the way, this is not just girls. This is guys as well. Guys, just own it. If you're an emotional person, just own it. Girls love that stuff, by the way. They love it when you're a little bit emotional. Not too much, but just be a little bit. If you find that you encounter God emotionally a lot, if that's a consistent, like, uh, you're consistently emotionally engaging with God, uh, just know this. Know that you are on an emotionally charged spiritual pathway, and most people are not. And that's perfectly okay. It's just a pathway. It's how God's wired you. He hasn't wired everybody like you, and that's fine. And then I would encourage you to learn to enjoy the highs of faith and learn to have faith through the lows. Learn to enjoy the highs and have faith through the lows. If you are an emotionally driven person, you probably have high highs and you probably have low lows. And so oftentimes that's true of you spiritually. And so you'll go through seasons of the soul. You'll go through seasons of, of kind of your spiritual journey. And sometimes walking with God feels like spring. Everything's growing. Everything is vibrant. The colors are beautiful. Everything is going great, right? Sometimes walking with God feels a little bit more like winter. Everything's dead. There's no colors. It's really dark. It's raining. And sun, like right now, outside, it's just raining and the sun hasn't been out in four days, right? Sometimes it feels like that. So learn to enjoy the highs, but have faith in the lows. And when you find yourself in winter, have faith that spring will come. It has to. All seasons end at some point. It's a cycle. And then the other kind of subcategory that I think often falls under enthusiast people is uh, the worship pathway. And... These people with a worship pathway, they connect with God. And when I say worship, I, I, I mean specifically in this, I mean in music. They connect with God in music and expression. And uh, these people with a worship pathway, they, well, they just, they love worship. They love worship. These are, uh, there's something deep inside them feels released when praise and adoration are given a voice. It's just something in them. It's how God's created them. Some of their most formative moments occur during times of worship. It's just how God has wired them. These are the, the hands in the air. The, the, they start to wave. They get just real expressive. They start running around the room. They, they, they you know, waving handkerchiefs or something. I don't know. They just get really, and they get a little crazy, right? And um, you know who you are. If that's you in the room, you know who you are. And don't worry, everybody else knows who you are too. They, can, they see you. <laughs> but that's just, that's just how God has wired them. I want to read to you in Psalm chapter 98. I think King David had a little bit of a worship pathway in him. He says this. He says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst in the jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. 
you hear just that pathway is in him. That's how he connects with God. And so just if, if you don't have the worship pathway, if that's not real strong in you, worship, like when you come into C12 on Thursday night, worship kind of feels like the previews before the feature film, you know? Like when is this going to be over with? How many songs are we going to do? Are we going to go back into it again, Austin? Are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? It just feels like previews. It's kind of interesting. There's some action in it. Some are kind of chick flicky. Uh, but really, you're just waiting. It's like an appetizer before the main course. You're just kind of waiting for the teaching. Somebody say amen. It's just a... <laughs> you're waiting for the real part of the service. I don't believe that at all. But for you, with the worship pathway... You know, when worship ends and teaching begins, some of you are like, finally, some, yeah, finally, to the teaching, to the word of God. But for those with a worship pathway, you're like, man, it ended so quick, you know, ended so quick. Can we do another song? Can we just have a night of worship? When's the next night of worship? Those are usually what worship pathway people say. So let me give you just a couple words of caution. Patrick, you can come on up and we're going to close out. A couple words of caution um, if you think the enthusiast pathway may be high in you and specifically worship and emotions. A couple just words of caution. Number one, know that emotions come and go, so don't be led by them. Emotions come and go, so just don't be led by them. There is a difference between having an emotional pathway and being led by your emotions. The scripture says this, says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can know it? That's what the scripture says about our hearts. What does that mean? What is it saying? It's saying don't trust your feelings. You can't just trust emotions. Not, did you know this? Not every emotion you have is a good one. And so just because you have an emotion doesn't mean that it's from God. And so you cannot be led by your emotions. I literally talked to a lady one time who said, I feel, I feel, notice that, I feel like God is telling me that I need to divorce my husband and marry this other guy that I work with. And I said, ma'am, that's not at all what God is telling you. I can promise you that because that goes against scripture. And so you are being led by a feeling and emotion. Now, that's an extreme case, but I think that's true in all of us in a lot of different ways. Don't be led by your emotions. Emotions are a great thing to have as long as you are not led by them. I heard someone say this one time, and, and it's kind of awkward, but I think it's really true. They said, emotions to spirituality or emotions to your faith journey is a lot like sex to marriage. Do you have to have sex for marriage to be awesome? You don't have to, but it sure does help a lot, right? And people that believe that marriage or people who can't wait to get married because then they can have sex or guilt-free sex, if that's the only reason you're getting married, then it's going to be a rough marriage for you. So very similarly, emotions to your faith journey, they help a whole lot. And they're great, and God can use them as long as you are not driven. It's not all that there is to your spiritual journey. Truth is what you need to anchor your life to, not 
emotions. So I think that's key. And then the second caution I would give is like we've been saying about all of them is don't be judgmental of people who aren't like you. If you have a high worship, uh, emotional, enthusiast pathway, that's great, but not everyone does. So during worship, if you see someone not engaged, not lifting their hands, not singing, before you go to the extreme and think, well, they must be living in sin, or they just don't love God like I love God, well, maybe that's not true. Maybe you just connect with God a different way than they connect with God, and that's okay. The third thing, caution I would give is this. Uh, Worship whether you feel like it or not, especially if you believe that this is high in you. Worship whether you feel like it or not. If you only engage in worship when you feel like it, perhaps it is more about you and less about the one you are worshiping. If you only worship when you feel like it, perhaps it's actually more about you than it is about the person, the object of your worship. Additionally, I would say if, if, if your public worship is more expressive than your private worship, then perhaps you're just putting on a show. And maybe we need to all check ourselves and go, you know, I, I'm more expressive and passionate in public worship than I am in my private worship. Scripture teaches about, you know, those who pray aloud in the streets for everyone to hear them. I believe it's also true in worship. Those who sing aloud for other people to see them and acknowledge them, that's a danger. If your private worship doesn't mimic your public worship, then maybe you're just putting on a show. And just because I know you guys are in a a stage of life where you're probably trying to figure out, you know, what culture of worship you best fit in, and maybe you're attending different churches, and, and churches have different cultures of worship, and that's awesome, by the way, and we ought to celebrate different cultures of worship. They're just different. That's great. But because I know that you're probably in a stage of life where you're trying to figure out, do I like this kind, do I like this kind, or, or hopefully more than just do I like, but do I engage with God more in this kind, or do I engage with God more in this kind? Let me just give you a few thoughts, and then I'll be done, I promise. I want to encourage you to always honor the house that you're in. Just practical stuff. I just want to encourage always honor the house that you're in. I I told you last week about, you know, traditionalists in church. I grew up in a church where when you walked in the doors of the church, you took your hat off. And if you didn't, someone's going to call you out, right? And, And I think... I don't necessarily agree with that, but if that's the culture of that church, if that's, if that's how they do things, man, I want to honor that. I'm not out to be some, like, rebel and just, you know, say, oh, you're wrong. I don't want to do that. I'm going to honor that. I think the same is true with worship. There's a culture of worship in every church that you get into, and I would encourage you to honor it. Every church community is different, and some are more expressive than others, and that's okay. So honor the, church, the culture of the church that you're in. Don't try to change it. I think if, if, you know, you walk into a church and no one's raising their hands, do you feel like you engage with God by raising your hands? Then go for it. But don't try and change everyone else. If you're thinking these people are stuffy with their worship and I'm going to show them how to really express yourself in worship. No, you're not. No, you won't. You're going to show them how you express yourself in worship. And that's okay, but that's not how everyone else expresses themselves in worship. I just think this is a, 
an extremely dangerous combination of arrogance and ignorance. Arrogance in that you think your way is the right way. Ignorance because it's not. It's just your way. And so just be careful. Don't try and change someone's church culture because it doesn't line up with how you engage with God. And if you find yourself in a place where people are far more expressive than you in their worship and how they connect with God, don't sit there and think, these people are nuts. (laughs) No, they're not. It's just a different pathway, and that's okay. It's okay. Let's celebrate the different cultures of worship and learn to honor the house that you're in. And so my prayer for you is that you would learn how God has uniquely created you to connect with him. Maybe it's you have a little bit of a naturalist pathway. Maybe you have a little bit of the sensate pathway. Maybe you have some of the enthusiasts and the worship and the emotions. That's great. God's created you. I want you to know this. God's created you on purpose, without mistake. Find out how he's created you to uniquely connect with him and then lean into it. Lean into it, and I believe that God will breathe fresh life into you and fresh life into your time with him. Let me pray for you. So, Father, I know this is a lot of information, but God, I pray that you would take it deeper than that and make it a revelation. And Lord, for many people in here, God, would you just affirm that you want to connect with them. Maybe they just need to be reminded that you have a desire to connect with them, so much so that you'd be willing to do it in multiple different ways, that you'd be willing to connect with them in worship, that you'd be willing to connect with them through art and through expression and through nature and all these different ways, God, because that's how much you desire to connect with them. And so, Lord, would you make us more like you? Would you show us your love for us? And we'll give you the honor and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.